0: All right, after a misfire, welcome back to episode eight. Here
1: we are. I hit are. the
0: button, but nothing recorded, so now we're
1: actually recording. Good thing we didn't record the entire episode with no recording. Yeah, that would have been really bad.
0: So, hey, Mike, at the time of this listening, or by the time this is released, you will have kicked off the next series called Riddle Me This. Mm-hmm. How do you think that'll go that day? I think it's gonna be awesome.
1: Yeah? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm a pretty optimistic guy, though. I mean, we're, we're talking, it's going to be Matthew 13, yeah. the parable of the soils. Great passage. I think it leaves every person that reads it really pensive and reflective, saying, where really am I before the Lord? And uh, I'm encouraged already
0: just thinking about it. That's awesome. I am looking forward to that. That's this weekend. For the listener, it will have happened last weekend yep but uh, I'd like to hear people's opinions on the series I think you'd like to hear feedback yeah. every now and then so again we've mentioned this but if you if you have any feedback of any type go ahead and uh, email us at podcast at vcflongview.org Now before we jump into this week's topic we actually have our first letter that I would I'm, I've been dying to address but before we jump into that we have uh, we have some new works coming up here around the valley. All right. Uh, we have some new things happening at the Bean. Uh, is, it, is it too early to share? No. Sure. Okay. So do you kind of want to share some cool developments that are happening for for Valley and the rest of Cowlitz County, I guess?
1: Well, we're just, uh, first of all, we're, we're working on kind of cleaning up and and fixing up each of our campuses yeah and so uh this podcast is going to be this uh shortly after this podcast drops we're going to be having a uh cleanup day for the electric bean that's right which the history of the electric bean is it it was a cafe in kind of the center of longview in the downtown area uh right off washington and uh is that right Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, you looked at me like I was wrong and I was like, come on No. Nope. nope. I was just spacing uh, for a
0: second. Good, Sorry. good.
1: Uh, I'm slowly learning the names of all the streets and getting my way around well, but uh, we're going to clean it up and and spruce it up and make it more church friendly, yeah. more kid friendly, cleaner, more organized with the hopes of maybe down the road, uh, possibly figuring out a way to open that thing back up during the week. That would be a a long-term goal. We still have some work to do to figure that out. But short term, we're going to start partnering with a church plant. And so a friend in in town is desirous of starting a church plant and they want to start using it Sunday mornings. And since we use it Saturday nights, we're going to partner with them uh, really so that there will be more gospel proclamation. There'll be more people who will be reached with the gospel. And this is just a partnership between churches that, that trust Jesus and are eager to see
0: Jesus yeah. glorified. That is great news all around. I, I had the privilege of running the electric bean for a couple of years. And what I absolutely loved about it was it was a great outreach. So many of the people that I know right now have come to know Christ through the ministry of the bean. And it was just purely because it existed. Right? Christian people are hanging out, mm-hmm. connecting with people who were just looking to, uh, for a place to hang out and get coffee. We would just have gospel conversations. People would attend the church. Then they would come to know Jesus. Uh, I think we've shared this before, but like Vinny and I came to Valley through the outreach of the Bean. We were just, Vinny came to an open mic night because he's just attracted to, to venues because I don't know if you know this or not, but he's he's an old metal head. He's, mm-hmm. all, he's all big on metal music. Um, I came because when I first moved back home, I, I was just looking for internet to do my taxes and that's where I went. There you go. And so I'm excited to see, um, some forward movement in reopening the bean. I'm more excited to see a new work being started there. That's, that's huge. That's us partnering with another body. Cause we're all, we're all one church. We're all the same. We're all the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to know that we can help just continue to further the gospel just even by providing a space. So with that said, though, you said that there's going to be a uh, a, a campus cleanup day specifically at the Electric Bean. Now, yep. we're going to do that at all campuses. Yep. But one, if, one per month for the next
1: three months. Yes. And so we're starting June. We'll do the Electric Bean. Then we'll go to the next one and the next one over the next two months. And it's really just a chance. I mean, it's kind of fun to clean up together anyway. Yeah. I mean, you get a bunch of people together and you start working on some projects. So make the campuses look better. Have some time together. Eh, it will be
0: good. You know, if we remember to do so right after this podcast, we should probably, if we're smart. After this podcast, maybe we'll jump on Facebook, Facebook Live, and kind of talk about the EB cleanup just so that we can get the word out and so that people are just uh, hearing the good news of what's what's happening there. So, uh, yeah. Mike, I'm going to transition. I want to talk about our first letter. Yeah. We have our first letter, and it's uh, from an old buddy of mine, a student uh, that I got to know when I worked at TRCS. This comes from Tyler Ward up in Seattle, Washington. It says... Hey, Andrew or Mr. Wynn, haha, because that's how he knew me as Mr. Wynn, which Tyler, if you're listening, you do not have to call me that anymore. You're 20, man. You don't, don't do that. Anyway, I uh, says, I know we haven't talked in a while, but I've been keeping up with you through social media. I was wondering what inspired you guys to get into ministry? That Great question. Yes, that is a loaded question. That's a, there's a long, long, uh, there's a lot that could be said. There and I've been mulling over my own story, but I, I was going to say, Mike, if you if you wanted to share first, or if you want me to no, share, I,
1: I think you're you're eager. Let's have you uh, you
0: jump on it and let's hear your story. Okay, okay. So, ministry is such an interesting topic because it, to me, it's just an outpouring of my faith. I, I I don't know how to not be in ministry and not follow Jesus. Does that does that kind of make sense? Like, absolutely. I, I don't get how you can call yourself a Christian and not be in ministry. I'm not saying paid ministry or vocational ministry. I'm just saying ministry in general, but, uh, I, I think about how everything started for me and I I guess it goes back to, um, what I call folk theology. I've, I've grown up going to daycares. I went to, by the grace of God, I went to Christian daycares when my parents didn't even know who Jesus was. And I would come home asking about Jesus and my dad was like, man, I don't know who Jesus is, but it sounds like it's important. We better figure this out. So my parents started going to church when I was younger, and that started a lot of things. But what really started ministry for me was right around the age of 13, uh, my parents started, my, my, my family started falling apart. Um, eventually, like about two years later, my parents would be uh, divorced, and there was a lot happening. But as that was happening, people kept telling me, Andrew, we know you're worried about your family, but you need to know that because your parents are Christians, God will never let them get divorced. Your family will always be okay. That was not true. And I've spoken on this before. I think I think it's sometimes in churches people mean well and they want the best. So they'll kind of just make things up that sound really spiritual. Yep. Yep. But really what they did is they kind of set me up to fail because I got really mad at God after that. So mad at God that I just had all these questions. But instead of like walking away from the church, I felt like, I think by the grace of God, I just dug in deeper. By that time, I started going to a local church here in town. And the pastors there, um, they, they never got mad at me for questioning things. They never they let me be angry. And they would just walk me through a process. And I went through this, this cycle of having questions about God and questions about church and faith to getting those questions answered as I read and as I studied. But then that would lead to more questions, and then it was just a cycle of getting answers, having questions, getting answers, having more questions, to the point that it God became real to me. I learned that there was a difference between biblical truth and cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I, I, some books call it folk theology, where we just make up things that sound Christian, but they're not really Christian. Uh, that's, it's given me a vendetta, honestly, against uh, really bad theology because I really yep. think that bad theology kills people. It ruins people's lives. It does. It really does. It's actually, uh, if I was going to interject, that's yeah. the point I was
1: going to make is just your, your trajectory. It started with bad theology, but you weren't content with that you were willing to to be face that pain mm-hmm. and, but dig into a true theology. Yeah. And that true theology led to life transformation. It right. Did. So oh, 100%. I mean bad theology, life devastation, good theology, life transformation. That's really As I'm hearing you, that's just what I'm, I'm realizing. No,
0: yeah, 100%. Like if you know me, uh, you, especially younger me, I love arguing. I love debating because I'm passionate about truth. No, you don't. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, I've seen, I call it folk theology, but it's, it's just bad theology. and it, It upsets me when I see it, when I hear it, when I see it run rampant in amongst my friends who call themselves Christians who don't really understand that. They're cultural Christians, but not biblical Christians. And that, that always, that breaks my heart because they're just setting themselves up for more pain. You know, anyway, so, so I started going down that road. And at the same time, probably the most influential man I've ever had in my life was our associate pastor. And uh, just shout out to him. Uh, His name is Joe Rice. And he, he was our associate pastor. He was like a father figure to me. He was my mentor. Uh, he just loved me. And it was the craziest thing. He, he just called me. He would just be like, Hey, I'm going to go change this tire uh, for this lady. You want to come along with me? Hey, I'm, I'm d- delivering this food basket. Do you want to come along with me? Hey, I'm going down to this convention meeting and do you want to come along and just check out what church life is like all about? And it, it, the timing was, It wasn't coincidental. It's God's hand, but it was just perfect because as my family was falling apart, I was just looking for any opportunity to get out of the house, and then I would go on these adventures with him and learn. I would watch him serve, and I started to realize that church was more than just what happened on the weekend. But I was watching him live and be a Christian throughout the week, and what that really meant. So much so that I started doing that. That that. I started gaining experience as I served alongside of him. They, they started giving me opportunities to teach because I was learning so much on my own. And then they would uh, give me opportunities to lead things because I was getting experience as I essentially inadvertently apprenticed with, with these people. I started leading that. But By the time I was 15, I just felt this call that God was calling me into ministry. And for me, it has a lot to do with how my worldview was shaped because as I studied the gospel... I see broken. We've talked about this. I see brokenness everywhere. And my biggest passion in life is to see broken things made whole by the power of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's, that dominates my thinking. It dominates my vision that dominates anything. Anytime I go to the gym, when I meet a new person, when I'm eating food, when I'm out with friends, that's, that is the lens through which I see the world. And so I, I don't think, I don't feel like I'm called to ministry. That's just how I see life. And I, we talked about, like, I just see, I see pain and I know the cure and it's Christ. And I can't help but interject that however I can. So I, at, at the age of 15, I felt the call into ministry and it just changed my life. And I've just been on this trajectory for the last 17 years. I went to Bible college, started going to seminary. I started working for churches. Uh, I'm actually excited now that I'm like, I'm just kind of working in the church, but starting to kind of develop a career outside the church because I want to do larger scope ministry. Like I want to work with non-Christian people for the glory of Christ to lead them to Jesus and stuff. But man, that's in a nutshell, that's, that's my, that's my story.
1: That's a pretty good nutshell. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's a good story, man. I, it's amazing to see God work in your life. And you know, so much of ministry, it goes from from one opportunity to the next and God shapes you and molds you. Oh, for sure. And so you don't, I mean, even now you're like, hey, I'm, I'm investing outside of the church for the glory of God. And you would not have dreamt that a few years ago. No. no. You know, and, and you've told me some of your story and what your ambitions were a few years ago and how God shapes a heart and shifts a heart in calling. And that's, yeah. that's cool to watch because that's part of his plan and His
0: his goodness being yeah. worked out in our lives. I think it's important to know that you might have a calling in your life right now, and sometimes that's just to get you started down a road. Because if you would ask me ten years ago, I wanted to be a youth pastor. Then I wanted to be a youth pastor until I was just old and decrepit. Then I would teach other youth pastors at like the academic level mm-hmm. in, at school. And that's why I never wanted to be an associate pastor. I never wanted to be a senior pastor. I never wanted any of that. But that that's changed over time. Every level, it's just there's an evolution to the call, I guess.
1: Yeah, I remember similarly. Years ago, years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I, I really felt like I was going to be youth pastor the rest of my life, and that was just a sincere belief yeah. and hope. And and then the Lord gives you different opportunities and get different experiences, and that begins to change your heart, and and leads you on the different path. And so it's it's pretty cool to see. You know, for me, my my story was well, I came to faith, and when I came to faith, I. Got plugged into a church that had the youth pastor that got me involved little by little. And so I just I started learning ministry was just part of following Jesus. And and that's really, you know, you talk about calling. Yeah. And in our pipeline group, last week on Wednesday morning, a group of us, five or six of us meet and we're talking about ministry leadership and, and growth. We talked about uh Jeff Org and he, his principles about calling. He says the very first level of calling in a ministry is for every believer. Every Christian has a call into ministry because ministry is, it's simply service and we're called to serve in the church, in ministry, and then outside of the church, living a life on mission. And so the very first level is ministry. And and fortunately where I landed and I I had a youth pastor that really helped me see that he didn't use those terms. Mm -hmm. He didn't line it out for me, but he lived it. And he, he invited me much like your associate pastor invited you to just live alongside him and help you kind of see like, Oh, this is just part of life. Uh, and then that next level of, of calling is that calling to leadership. Yeah. And that is, there's some spiritual gifting there. And so part of that is as you begin to just serve and as you serve and as you serve and as you serve for me, I started to realize, man, I I think I have some gifts and I think I have some passion and, and like you, I realized I didn't want to invest my life in anything else. Yeah. I mean, I, I when I was at UW, I went to UW for five years. I did the four-year degree in five years. <laughs> do I get that? And and I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with my life? Yeah. And all the while, I was taking accounting and forestry and calculus and philosophy and just all of these different classes saying, what, what am I going to do? All that time, I was serving in ministry and loving it. And I kind of came to this conclusion, like, this is this is, I'm called to be in leadership. I'm called to lead in ministry. And it reminds me of a Spurgeon quote. I won't get it directly, but he talks about if you you can do anything else besides ministry, do it. He says, you need to do whatever it is that you can do besides ministry. and, And if that doesn't, like if, if you still are drawn to ministry, then, then you really are called. If ministry is what you have to do, that's where a calling really comes out of. Yeah. And, I, and I resonate with that. Right. Yeah. I've had low and moments in that. ministry where I've wondered maybe I should just go and, uh, you know, maybe work at a nonprofit or something. I've got a friend that he's, he said there's been a few times over his years of ministry, he's gone home and he's said to his wife, maybe I should just go sell shoes. Right. <laughs> and like, but at the end of the day, I can't, I can't. It's, it's part of Part of the calling, right? Yeah, it is. So for me, that, that's my story. It, it incremental, and over these years, and and you know, now as someone who's, I'll be, you know, thirty eight this year. It's been a lot of ministry, a long time of doing it, and uh, it's exciting. It is,
0: and it's <sighs> ministry is such a weird and fickle thing because. Ministry looks different for every person in so many ways, but it's still serving others and in, in the name of Christ, whether they're in the church or out of the church. And I, I always want to bring glory to Jesus. You talk about that—that uh, that, that is a Spurgeon quote when he says, "Like if you can do anything else, you should do it," because it is. It, I heard that quote in a um, in a practicum class that told us, "Like you, you're, you guys aren't going to make it." I, one of the things they they talked about when I was at Corbin we started off with uh, 90 people entering into the ministry track. And when we were done, there were 10 of us. And when there were the 10 of us left, they told us two thirds of you are going to fail out of ministry. Like in a couple of years, some of you guys are not going to be in ministry because it's, it's grueling and it's hard. And when I say the word ministry, I'm not talking about like serving. Like if you are working 40 hours a week and you need to like serve in boys group for a few hours or something like that, I'm talking about like, Church worker like church leadership leadership yeah yeah and it's scary to think how hard that is, but you're for me there is that calling like I can't as miserable as it can be, it's far more rewarding and so more fulfilling because it's Jesus. We get the front row seat to see him at work but because we have a front row seat, we also have the front row seat of seeing the worst humanity has to offer <laughs> honestly. But then the greatest opportunities for Christ to come through, and that's what it's about. We're, I, I think it, there's a distinction that we have to understand that we're not serving to please, to earn our salvation. We've already have our salvation, and because mm-hmm. of our salvation, because of we've experienced how good Jesus is, I, I think, like, you and I are the same. Like, we can't help but do this. It has to be, like, it just, we, it's a calling. It really is a calling.
1: Yeah. I think about your friend Tyler and if I were to just be able to sit down and talk with him I would I would just encourage him to start with wherever he is being part of a local church and and just being as as helpful as you can there whether that means stacking chairs and cleaning up or filling in for a kids class Mm -hmm. or teaching in middle school like start where wherever the church needs you and and you know you might have ambition to be a, a senior pastor of some giant church one day but but like, I, don't start there. Start with where you are. Start in serving in little ways. Start being uh, part of the lives of some men that are around you um, that are a little bit further along the line. That's how That's how you really discover your calling, is having people guide you, having people disciple and coach you, and and really just begin to do the
0: work. You saying that... So it brings up a question in my mind that I've been wrestling with. Do you think do you think it's always serve others and be served? Or do you think there's a season in which you should be served for a while as you grow and then, and then start to, I guess, I guess it's, it's both. What I'm getting at is like, I I think about people who go through some pretty traumatic life issues, whether it's uh, your family falls apart like mine or your, uh, you go through a divorce or, or there's some sort of sickness and you're going through some traumatic things. Is there there a season where it's okay for you to just, you should just plug in and be ministered to before you go out and try to mask your pain with helping others?
1: Yeah. So that's kind of a, definitely a case by case uh, kind of question. But I think that there's always a way to engage beyond mm-hmm. just being a consumer at church. Yeah. I think that if you're just consuming in a church context, if you're just going and being fed, then, then that's probably long-term not going to help. Yeah. And so even if it's something as small as like, uh, you know, being a greeter or cleaning up a little bit, things like that. I mm-hmm. mean, you don't have to be pouring your life into someone else's life yeah. if you're going through trauma, right? Like that's probably, you're right. That's probably not the best time for it. And there are times to, pull back and seasons to, to regroup. But generally, if you're just consuming, that's, that's not a full expression of walking with Christ.
0: Yeah, you, you're, you're right. I guess, I guess to clarify what I was thinking is also there, there are warnings. Sometimes people jump into ministry, even to the pastoral ministry, because they're working through their own issues and they project it onto other people. And they're thinking they can help themselves by helping others. When really... If the Lord is working in your heart, you should take some time to walk with him, to know him, to love him and not because. So let me go back to my story. There's folk theology and there's just bad theology. But I also think there's bad service as well, that we we try to be altruistic just for the sake of being altruistic, because we just want to help others when we're not connected with the Lord. And I think it's important that you can there's a genuine connection with Christ first before you start jumping into something just for the sake of altruism. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I'm thinking through. It's I, I picture being in a
1: small group where someone wants to give really good advice. And so some, you know, someone's going through a situation and someone else in the small group's trying to offer great advice and they're just offering like pop psychology or something. Yeah. It's just like, it, it's disconnected from the word of God. It's disconnected from the heart of Christ, but their desire is to help the person sitting across the room from them. But at the end of the day, they're actually not helping because they're not solid either emotionally or even doctrinally.
0: Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's it. There's that connection that needs to be there with Christ. I think about the beginning of my own story. I started with a lot of anger, you know, and I was being ministered to, but at the same time, like I said, while I was being ministered to, they were calling me to help. And I wasn't leading Bible studies at the time. I was just giving out food baskets. I was setting up chairs. I was Mm -hmm. putting together PowerPoint presentations for my church because no one knew how to use a computer or something. And uh, it was through those actually. And that's what, I think that's what ministry is for me too, is it's, it's God revealing himself. The more I do ministry, God reveals himself more and more and he draws me closer. And I started with really small uh, quote unquote unspiritual things. And they become more spiritual as they, I you know, as I now preach as I do other things, but ministry is this calling to glorify the Lord and it, it's not always like preaching and, and, and being upfront. Sometimes it's well nowadays, sometimes it's just putting up pictures on Facebook and making sure people are taking a moment to pray mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff. So I, I, I don't know if, if someone's asking, you know, what our ministry stories are because they're looking to get into ministry. The key, the key thing that I'm hearing from the both of us is we actually had a mentor we got plugged in with someone. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Discipleship,
1: Which is discipleship. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Someone who's leading you and growing in your grasp of the word of God and yeah. pointing you at opportunities to actually live out Christian faith in different levels of service. Yeah.
0: That is, that is that was the most life-changing thing for me. And it it's funny that in our church, or in churches in general, we want to be really intentional about discipleship. But when I look back at what happened to me, that wasn't some program I was a part of. That was just some guy who cared enough about me, or maybe he was just looking for help. That's all he was looking for, but it became something more. Um and he just invested into me as time time went on. Man, I'm getting nostalgic now, just thinking about it. Well, um that's all I had for that for that one question. good stuff, man. Yeah.
1: I look forward to, you know, seeing Tyler or the the Tyler's who are listening to us, those who are Considering what does it look like to to walk in their calling, I look forward to them taking a step wherever they are in life. Uh, get connected with that local church, get connected with a mentor, get connected with a ministry. Start reading the Word, and uh, God God will use those little steps, and they will build
0: little by little to something that He's calling you to. Oh, for sure. If there's a, I, I'd like to, I, I'd love the opportunity to just kind of speak off the cuff and share on on a topic like this again if there are people who are just having any question at all and would like us to discuss that kind of stuff again please feel free to write us um podcast at vcflongview.org i actually tyler wrote me specifically on facebook messenger so if you're listening you're part of the church and you you know me go ahead and message me there you message mike and we'd love to discuss this stuff on on air so, all right thanks man all right have a great day everyone Catchphrase. Hit the button.